Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm Daniel Nevins, and we are studying today Tractate Ketubot, page 74, Ayin Dalid. Who has more power, a lawyer or a doctor? That's the question that many Jewish parents have wondered. How do men feel about sending their wives to court? Whose character is more in question, the wife who makes vows or the husband who can't abide them? These are some of the questions that we consider on page 74. Amud Aleph, page A, deals in cases where the man's engagement proposal or the actual marriage was based on a legal error. Perhaps the bride was too young to be married, or there was a Leverite situation that hadn't been resolved properly, or he took her in marriage but only to collect a debt that she owed him, or his marriage gift to her was less, worth less than a pruta, was enashava pruta. All of these are sketchy situations which result in a doubtful marriage. But in general, the sages were cautious about invalidating such a marriage or dissolving it without requiring a get, a, mar- a divorce settlement, lest the woman be considered ish-ish, married, and her subsequent children become mamzerim. Amud Bed, page B, considers the two categories of our Mishnah, the bride who is discovered after the fact to have taken a vow, and also a bride who is discovered after the marriage to have a physical blemish, a mum. Neither of these is necessarily an irreversible situation. Regarding the woman who took a vow, she could go to a sage who could release her from the vow. This process is called hatarat nidarim, and it involves finding a flaw in the way that she made the vow or what she thought she was doing. Likewise, she could go to a rofe, to a doctor, who could cure her of her blemish. So, in these cases, she is she's discovered to have a vow or a blemish, but they can be reversed. So the question is, once that those flaws are reversed, is the original marriage considered to be valid? Or, because the man stipulated that she not have a blemish or that she not have a vow beforehand, is the discovery of these blemishes, even though they can be remedied, nevertheless sufficient to invalidate the entire marriage. The Gemara here differentiates between legal and medical remedies. The legal remedy of annulling the vow can be retroactive, all the way back to the time of the marriage. So we can say that she really never made a vow, and therefore her marriage was always valid. This is in part because of the technical way that the sage says, you thought you took a vow, but you didn't do it properly, so it never existed. Therefore, when the man said, I marry you on condition that you don't have vows, he finds that she has a vow, but it turns out it was not a valid vow, so in fact, his condition remains intact and so too does their marriage. In contrast, regarding the doctor, he made the marriage proposal based on the idea that she has no blemish. It's discovered she does have a blemish. 
she goes to the doctor who cures her of the blemish, but does not remove the blemish from ever having existed. And therefore, it would seem that his initial condition, I marry you on condition that you have no blemish, uh, was not met. She did have a blemish, even though it could be fixed. Therefore, the initial stage of the Gemara differentiates between the medical and the legal remedies and says that with the, whereas with a legal remedy, uh, they can be considered to be married with medical remedy. Uh, if he had stipulated that she not have a blemish and she did have one, then their initial marriage is invalid. The medical remedy is only restorative. It can't remove the initial discovery of the blemish and then thus the betrothal was invalid even if she was subsequently cured. However, our page also has a contrary bright that equates the two, the medical and the legal remedies, whether it is a matter of a vow that is annulled by a sage or a blemish that is healed by a doctor. In both cases, the initial betrothal is invalid, and she's still considered single. Rava explains the conflict by saying that the first tradition, which allows for a legal remedy to maintain the marriage, and the second one, which does not offer that, is really about a debate between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Eliezer, two Tanaim. So what was their debate? The Gemara's language is somewhat inflammatory, so if you've read it already, just bear with me. It says that Rabbi Meir assumes that a man wants his wife to be humiliated in court. It says, Whereas Rabbi Eliezer does not want his wife to be humiliated in the court. Now, this would seem to be about, I don't know, misogyny, I guess, that Rabbi Meir thinks that men want to humiliate their wives, and Rabbi Eliezer doesn't. But actually, when you look a little more closely at this, it seems that this is not the case. First of all, we have Rashi's commentary, who says that Rabbi Meir is saying, not that he wants his wife to be humiliated in court, it's just that if she says, I have this vow, but let me see if I can get rid of it, he'll say, okay, you go try. In other words, he's not bothered by the fact that she's going to go to court, even though she's going to have to appear in public and she's going to have to explain what she said and what she meant and be questioned by the lawyers. He feels that it's okay, this is what she wants to do and it can save their marriage, then go for it. Whereas Rabbi Eliezer assumes that men just don't want their wives to be seen in public. So it's actually a bit of a paradox. It sounds initially like Rabbi Meir is the one who is more controlling and, and more willing to humiliate women, whereas in fact, it turns out to be quite the opposite. He's willing to allow her to exercise agency and try to repair the damage, whereas Rabbi Eliezer uh, does not want the woman to appear in court. He's very protective of his honor, which is reflected in the behavior of his possessions, including his wife. This discussion continues on to the next page. The focus has shifted here from the wife's character to the husband's character. And in fact, we cite a Mishnah from Gittin, from Tractate Gittin, which says that a man who makes false accusations against his wife is not permitted to take her back. Let's say he's mitcharet. He, he regrets making the accusation that she took an oath or giving a um, disparaging remark about her character, his motzi shemra, He's not allowed to take it back, according to that Mishnah, because if he's allowed to take it back, and therefore to remarry the wife that he's just divorced under false pretenses, the sages are concerned that he's going to do it again. In other words, we're looking here 
more at the man's character than at the woman's. In this way, the sages were protecting Jewish women from capricious husbands and perhaps trying to save few marriages in the process. Tomorrow we will continue with Tractate Ketubot, page 75, asking the question of who really wants to be married more, men or women. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.